This man came into my life when I was a single mother of three. I already carried a lot of shame for having a body that was the marks of somebody else's children. That held me back from feeling worthy. I definitely wore the t-shirts in the bedroom. I never allowed him to touch my stomach until several years in. And uh, then I gave birth to his child, let him literally over, not let him, but like literally he was watching over my shoulder as she pushes from my body. And then I started hiding in the hallways to change. And I remember like, it was, it was so sad. It was honestly so sad because I was removing myself from my own worth in this relationship. Hello there, lovers and friends, and welcome to Lovers and Friends, a podcast about life under the umbrella. Shout out to the 80s babies. Under the umbrella tree. Of relationships, love, sex, and sexuality. My name is Shan Boudram. I'm an intimacy expert with an educational background in sexology, psychology, and journalism. My goal here is to bring you compelling, thought shifting perspectives designed to inspire conversations with your own personal lovers and friends. Each week, I bring on a guest to lead and frame the discussion. This week's guest is Sarah Nicole Landry. And then I debrief with lovers and friends about our ahas and reflections. So now that you've got in the official tour, let me show you to the pool area because we about to dive in with this question. Is loving yourself naked and letting others love you naked a prerequisite to loving your body? The agreement was that you were going to come up and you were going to be nude and I was going to be nude. No, never. I was never, ever going to be nude. There was never an agreement of me being nude ever. Never. In your head, I was nude. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I said, lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said. Okay, this is one of those episodes where you should start thinking from now about who you're going to call afterwards to discuss all of this with. What is the relationship between body positivity, nakedness, sex positivity, body politics, self-love, and a little dash of body loathing, which is a natural byproduct of consumerism and mass media? Secondly, how do all of these collide and present in your bedroom? I've always had insecurity with my teeth being crooked. It would very specifically bother me when I was getting eaten out because they would basically be seeing my mouth from underneath, which is when I feel like it looked the worst. And so I started using a pillow to like cover my face and trying to play it up as if like it was so good that I needed to like cover my screams. With the men, they always wanted to keep their socks on because they were insecure about their feet. And with the women, they always wanted to keep their bra on or keep their shirt on and socks, especially when I would be dating more um, masculine presenting women or studs. After a couple years of having sex with my partner, he made a comment that I must have really strong eyelids. And I thought, what does that mean, you know? And he ended up saying, well, you squint your eyelids so tight when you orgasm. So it's nothing that I ever thought about what my face looks like, what my body does. Um, until he made that comment. And so I've always been self-conscious ever since. I actually sometimes put a pillow over my face when I'm about to reach a climax. And um, it's something that I never thought about before. And now I'm just really insecure about it. I never took off anything but my bottoms. I never wanted to put lingerie on. I got a divorce about two years ago and I didn't mind with my husband at the time, the extra skin I have from my pregnancy. But now that I'm into a single world and I've dated men that don't have children, I always try to 
position myself in a way that they're not able to see it. We met at an event like a week before and I went over to his place and he just took the lights off like automatically. And he was like, oh, like, I just prefer to have the lights off. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. And then while we were having sex, I was trying to fill up his body, I'm a very sensual person, like touching him, stroking him and whatnot. And he would like snatch my hands off. And then I realized he was insecure because he was skinny. Confession time. I started this episode out excited to talk to my guest, Sarah Landry, who is notoriously naked online, despite the horrendous comments about her body that she gets and often shares about how you disconnect from society's messages about which bodies deserve to be naked in order to choose and love nakedness in your own every day, all day, without question. And maybe that objective sounds normal to you. Or maybe you realize, like I now do, how batshit crazy that is. Now, my intentions were good. What I wanted to do was share an inspirational story with all of you from someone who I perceived overcame personal body shaming so that you and I would have hope that it would be possible for us. But what I got instead was inspiring stories from both Sarah and Jasmine Jay, who pops in for our third segment about cultivating resilience. You have to work on your mind just as much as you're working on your body. And if your body's evolving and your mind isn't, then yeah, you're you're not going to like yourself for a very long time. I also gained a ton of language, perspectives, and history associated with the body positivity movement that was definitely a necessary education for me. So it's one of those cases of it not being what I thought, but instead exactly what I needed. In reflecting on my original agenda to solve a global issue in one podcast— no, seriously, I, I promise you that I picture we were going to end this whole thing like this. You get to feel badass naked. You get to feel badass naked. You get to feel badass naked. It left me thinking about my own work and how I sometimes feel guilty for telling all of you about my own current struggles with sex and relationships, like I did in the previous episode, Boss in the Streets and Meh in the Sheets. Because some people might think, dang, if she's dedicated her entire life to this and she still can't figure it out, then I guess no one can. But I realized this year two things. One, how that mindset was preventing me from actually acknowledging cracks in my intimate life since my priority was presenting and improving it rather than patching and preserving it. Two, I realized that it isn't the life and the look of the life that's aspirational. It's the dedication to understanding and working with its ever-changing form that is. In other words, we got to stop holding our applause for the finish line and instead use our oohs and ahs for the cool shit that happens along the way. And along your way, you might perform naked one night and cover all the mirrors in your bathroom so you can't see a reflection coming out of the shower the very next. And then the very, very next, you might have a bomb chat with your bestie about how crazy all this is while you're riding your partner's face. So if there's no finish line, there's no way of comparing one person's journey or success to the next. There's just a question of how you're currently feeling and what you're currently feeling to do about those feelings. And I don't know about you, but right now I'm feeling like it's time to bring in our first guest. Sarah Nicole Landry, AKA The Bird's Papaya, is a divorced and remarried mother of four children, as well as a widely popular blogger and podcast host. She and I met years ago on a TV show called City Line. Shout out to you, Tracy Moore. And for me, it was love at first sight. Sarah is a body confidence advocate, speaker, writer, four times cover girl, and winner of the 2020 Iris Awards Instagrammer of the Year, as well as one of today's parents' most influential parents. 
I cannot wait to bring you this beautiful conversation with Sarah. But before that, let's take a quick break for this. The bird's papaya. I said it right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Listen, I literally instantly fell in love with you. I was like, this woman is so damn fine. You were dressed fine. You looked fine. You had everything together. And I wasn't familiar with your work at the time, but obviously I was so smitten Mm -hmm. and taken by you. You're such an incredible speaker and just a presence overall that I followed you or I went on your Instagram page and I was like, wow, she is so clear about what she has to say. And I would love to know when you realized that you had something very clear to say, and that is what you were going to devote your work to. I mean, I started 13, 14 years ago blogging because I was very lonely in motherhood. I felt very isolated in the experience. I was living really far from home. And I thought if I could just get myself creatively somewhere to start sharing my life, sharing my story... And then when Instagram came about, there was this huge shift. It went from let's what does everybody's homes look like? Their front porches, their kids, what they're making for dinner. And it was like, what do you look like and what are you wearing? So it became very clear to me that there was obviously, I was going to start becoming somewhat more aware of myself. I, and I did. I became aware of what I looked like. I became aware of how I was dressing and very much so became aware of my weight. Now I have been in a larger body, like mid-size to large since I was about 12. So this isn't anything new for me. So when I decided to basically lose weight, the goal was essentially to be more accepted into this into this society. I really was watching my kids grow up and I wanted to be a part of their childhood. I wanted to be a participant in my own life. I wanted to feel confident. I wanted to do all these things. And so I became a weight loss account and I ended up losing a hundred pounds. And I also ended up gaining a disordered eating and a lot of food fear and was essentially terrified to do anything with my kids. I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do much at all. So the goal was essentially for me to be able to live my life more, to be more accepted into society, all of these different things. And then I did all that stuff and I felt worse. And that was a horrible place to be. I ended up going through a divorce for a number of different reasons. And I remember I was walking down the street one day and somebody I ran into and they were like, oh my gosh, like you've never looked better. And at this point I had lost and I was, you know, below a size zero I'd lost more weight through the stress of the breakup and the fact that I just moved in with my parents, with my three kids, I was shaking nonstop. And somebody saw me and immediately identified my thinness with my wellness. And it just really set me on an entirely new path. And at this time, we're talking like five years ago, there wasn't a lot of these conversations happening. There were a few of them. I'm sure there were actually a lot and I wasn't paying attention, if I'm honest, because I was very much centric on, I have to hate my body because yes. that's fueling me to change it. That's that's working for me. Hating my body is actually what's working. And I've left up all the old weight loss posts because I think it's important to see the evolution of somebody's mind through that experience instead of just 
feeling ashamed and taking it all down, I've left it up. So you would read things like talking about putting down the fork, talking about working out in front of the mirror to see what moves because that's what I would target next. I really did see my body as something to shape and mold and target. I It wasn't a loving affection of like wellness and health. It was like, no, I need to be thinner. In addition to getting that positive feedback from that person on the street, were you also seeing a rise in your social media following? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was in news stories all over the world. I landed a cover page of a transformation magazine, like a fitness magazine that went all over. Everyone was tagging me and posting about it. And the reality was I didn't eat for a week before that photo shoot. And I remember when that picture came out and reading the comments and being like, this girl isn't even fit enough to be on this cover. So even though I starved myself to get there, it was never enough. It was never going to be enough. And it just made it so much harder to move through this world. My, Like I said before, my goal was to be a participant in my own life. I just felt like the weight was the thing that was holding me back from living, and it wasn't. I lost all the weight, and I was finding myself staying home more and isolating myself more and having more fear around relationships, sex, being out in the world, doing anything, running into people, because I had now falsified who I was online because my body had become my performance. And so if I felt like it wasn't up to par, it was really hard to kind of step out and exist in it. And then that point, that conversation that you had with the stranger, Mm -hmm. because to your point, you were shaking, you were exhausted, you were resentful, and yet you were being celebrated for what that looked like. Like the manifestation of all those terrible things that was getting you down looked from the outside like something positive, but you decided in that moment it wasn't positive. Yeah, I did. I just, I mean, it was... It was a collection of different moments like that. Um, some of them were in reading. I was kind of hate following a few people that were talking about body love or body confidence or whatever you want to call it. And I was kind of like, I see what they're saying, but I don't like, I think that they're just wrong. Like that your goal should be in bettering yourself and bettering yourself is by doing this. I don't, I don't align with what you're saying. So when I hit that breaking point, I can't tell you enough how all of a sudden those messages were like the only thing hugging me and holding me. It was the only thing telling me that I was worthy because try and pivot your entire platform. When you finally started to find success after a decade of doing it, And you're now being validated. You've got this following. Everything's working out. You're making money. This is a really scary thing to be like, guys, um, think I might've been wrong. I actually think I might've been really misleading people. I think I've been misleading myself. So I want to talk about the where we are today. Mm. Your journey is so beautiful and hopeful to people. But I love what you said too about the knowledge of potentially misleading people. And sometimes that isn't even you, right? People have interpretations right. of your work and your content and your existence. And then they you know, project certain things onto you. So I would assume that a lot of people would look at you and say, wow, Sarah had this turning point moment and she realized that trying to fit herself into an archetype that wasn't natural for her body and wasn't healthy for her body was negative. And as a result, she let go of all the societal expectations and the commercialized pressure and let her body exist in its natural state and loved it happily ever after. Does that, is that accurate to reality though? 
I think it's accurate all the way up until it's like, and then she loves her body and goes on. Because I think the second we hear that we're going, so many interpret it and and feel like they're failing at the process of loving yes. themselves. And this happens so often as we, we talk about love in relationships and we talk about how it works. And it's like, you know, there's the falling in love. There's the butterflies in your belly in the morning when you wake up and you experience those feelings, but you also know that those are actually like infatuation feelings. Love is a showing up. So when we talk about self-love and somebody's like, oh, she just loves herself and she loves her body. Like I am with my body. I will not say that I have butterflies in the belly about my body. I have a respect for it and I show up for it. And that is also love. Don't just try and push all of the bad feelings aside. Sometimes you just got to sit with them for a second, recognize them, peel the layers back as to why you're having them and let them flow through you as opposed to getting stuck in your chest and impacting your every single day. Because Our whole life is just going so quickly, and there's far too many people like myself who are sitting at home, who are wearing t-shirts in the bedroom, and if that's what you're comfortable with, that's what you're comfortable with, but we're doing it because we feel like our bodies are truly the most important parts of us, and that's what makes us attractive. Mm -hmm. You just keep it so real, and you tell such a beautiful story. You just had your beautiful baby 11 Mm -hmm. months ago, but you shared something with me about what you did afterwards in the hallway um, after giving birth. And I would love if you could share that story. This man came into my life when I was a single mother of three. I already carried a lot of shame for having a body that was the marks of somebody else's children. That held me back from feeling worthy. I definitely wore the t-shirts in the bedroom. I never allowed him to touch my stomach until several years in. And uh, then I gave birth to his child, let him literally over, not let him, but like literally he was watching over my shoulder as she pushes from my body. And then I started hiding in the hallways to change. And I remember like, it was, it was so sad. It was honestly so sad because I was removing myself from my own worth in this relationship for something that we had together made a decision about, together brought into this world. And then after birth and like the fact that I was like, I'm ashamed of what I look like for this experience. I don't even, I don't want him to see me. And I would start hiding in the hallway and I was not, sex was something that started to become interesting again. And I just found myself being like, eh, like, I don't know that I want him to see this. And we recently like live on the podcast on my podcast where had a moment where Shane was like, I know what you look like. Like, I know what you look like naked. Like, I don't understand. What's fascinating is I know you probably had all the internal dialogues that you're having right now. I know that he knows I look like naked. I have done so much work on acceptance and dismantling societal expectations to show up and be present for myself and respect and own myself. And yet you find yourself in this position going through this. What were you saying to yourself in your head as you're making a choice that you know, you know, is not representative of the work that you've done? Can I be honest? I think I was tired. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it gets really exhausting. I think similar to, I love the I love the saying touched out because it's the most, sometimes I'm emotionally touched out. And even though I have the tools that I need to be using to work through those moments, sometimes taking them out feels like a lot of work. So I would rather avoid it. And I feel the same way about going to the beach. Everyone wants to be like, where are the shorts and put on the swimsuit. And what I've learned, because I've said those things, what I've learned is it's 
it's more important for me to just be there. So if I need to show up in a muumuu, at least I made it to the beach. And I think I was using little things like that to just, because I was mentally and emotionally touched out from the experience of postpartum as it was, that to layer on additional pressure to just feel great in every moment when I could I could sense myself feeling that emotional touched out, I just wanted to go in the hallway and get changed. I just didn't, I just wanted to skip yes. over the moment. And that saved me from it. Do you know what's really fascinating? That's given me an aha too, because it's less about a moment of a lapse, right? Like, oh, I had, mm. you know, a lapse in my messaging and the work that I've done. But instead, it's actually a breakthrough of saying like, I know all of these things, but I also know right now this is the best choice for me and for my health, my yeah. whole health. Um, and I think yes. that it is actually pretty inspiring to say that. I often get asked the question from people because uh, some people are not comfortable being naked. And to your point, shame is so heavily associated with nakedness. That's from Mm-hmm. The time that we're born, we're, we're given this linkage, right? And it's reinforced constantly throughout the years. And then you add on to that body issues and ableism issues. And you add on to that yeah. societal expectations and pressures to look certain ways. And then more and more shame becomes associated with nakedness. And so a lot of people will say, I don't feel confident naked in front of my partner. What should I do? So I actually wrote about this once, and I think it's one of my favorite things I've ever written. And I didn't realize at the time that so many people would connect with it. So I'm just actually going to read that because for years and years and years, I never allowed my husband to actually touch my stomach. So I found that a lot of times when people were talking about intimacy and romance, it never talked about this. So I'm just going to read this. The first time I laid on my side and Shane reached around to hold me and touch my stomach, we both flinched. This was a rule that had now been accidentally been broken. So now what? Because I was mortified. For years, I had been hiding and curating my body to be strategically as attractive as it could be because the narrative in my mind told me my body was for others. This moment, I felt ruined it all. He reacted apologetically as he moved his hand away from my stomach. Acting in pure emotion, frustration, and impulse, I placed my hand on top of his and brought it back to my core. Our hands stayed there as he held me, and I allowed him to wrap his arms around me as silent tears streamed onto my pillow. Not tears of pain or mortification, tears of comfort, tears of safety, tears of relief, and tears of realization. He merely wanted to hold me, and I merely wanted to be held. That day, I finally let myself be. That day, I finally stopped trying to have a body that was merely benefit or a burden for others, as if it was its only purpose. This was my body, and I deserve to be held." Now, the whole kit and caboodle about this is my husband read that and he goes, I do not remember that happening at all. <laughs> that is such a thing that and Jared would like, do. <laughs> right? But this, this is the whole point. We're literally yes. creating entire storylines of shit in our heads that we're like, oh my gosh, this is this is huge. I've allowed him to touch my stomach. He's just like, I don't give a shit. I just want to give you a hug. Like even as I read that and I talk about my worthiness to be held, it also comes with me saying, but it was still okay if I wasn't okay with him touching my stomach. Yes. Because if that was going to distract me from intimacy, if it was going to cause me um, harm or touched out Uh, mentally or emotionally, then it was also okay for me to say, please don't touch my stomach. And I think that it's really important to pay attention to why you're doing something. My why then was because I thought he would be disgusted with me 
all he wanted to do was hold me and all I ever wanted to be was held. So that was the reason I allowed him to hold my stomach and touch me that day. And I love the, the that day part of it because it is like what you said about the beach, which is so beautiful, is it's about getting to the beach, right? The goal yes. when you have a partner that you're attracted to who's attracted to you and you want to express that through sexuality is to be sexual with that person. And mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of meet yourself where you are. We're always trying to prepare for a version of ourselves that we aren't today, right? So like, or we're putting mm. off things for the version of ourselves. Like, oh, when I get to this size, I'll do this. Or when I feel more confident, I will do this. As if confidence is a thing that you just wake up and have one day, right? Other than a gradual process. So I'm a big fan of like, you know, when you think about an Uber driver, right? If you tell the Uber driver to pick you up where you're not, you increase the chances of you guys missing each other and you missing the ride altogether and not getting to where you want to go. But if you tell somebody, pick me up exactly where I am right now, you just increase your chances of actually going there. And the destination and the journey is the whole point of it. So that's why I've said to people, if you don't feel comfortable naked... Uh, you're welcome to make a long-term plan for changing that. However, that mean that mean, can mean therapy. That could mean inner work. That could mean uh, reprogramming your Instagram feed to celebrate your body so you do see other people who have the aspirational confidence and then get tips from those people. Whatever that process for you means of closing that gap from not liking yourself naked to liking yourself naked, that long-term plan is there. But right now, you can't pick a different you. You can't pick a different feeling. So yeah. what do you have to do today in this moment to want to be intimate with your partner? And I'm a big fan of like full body lingerie, if that's your jam, lights off, Love if that's it. your jam, you know, t-shirts, if that's your jam. And actually, as we're having this conversation, that story that you said about you changing in the hallway with a partner who loves and accepts you and thinks you're so sexy and yeah. is so proud of you, but you doing that because you're just meeting yourself with your where you are is truly an empowering story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And I, and I think that it's an important thing to talk about because when we talk about self-love or like you said, confidence, it really does feel like there's a lot going on and people are like, well, I'm still in the hate. So I just want to get to that love part. Are you showing up? Because that everyone wants, everyone thinks that confidence is like something you have or it's like put together. No, like I will tell you every single time that I feel like I've been the most confident, it's been the time that I've been lacking confidence. And it's more the fact that I stepped forward. The most common question I get is I'm really struggling in my body. How do I love it? I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to be there. And it's like, how can you show up today? What is it that you really love to do? What What is that one thing that you can do? And why is it entirely different for all of us? It's so, so different. And the same with confidence. Like what is going to make you confident? What's going to get you to show up today? And I think that the more we talk about it being a showing up and not a, oh, I have to be this, that, or the other, because that is also somewhat of a toxic message to just be like, just put it on, just go do it. There's a lot of people, like you said, they're not there. So it would be, I think it's a bit of an injustice to so many who are in that struggle to just be like, just do it. Like, just show up. Like, just go figure it out. So this is from The New Psychology of Love. And this is a chapter called Love is Political. Something as individual and personal as one's intimate desires, attractions are indeed connected to a broader political system that ranks people according to various physical dimensions, such as skin color, body size, and ability. Most of us assume that when we jump into bed with a partner, the two of us are there alone. Instead, we are there with all of the perceptions that have been downloaded onto us from society at large. In general, people who feel negatively about their bodies report less sexual desire as a result. 
I wanted to get that reflection piece on you because in essence, it tells us that people whose bodies are not promoted as being worthy of being looked at as naked experience low sex drive as a result of that. Does that ring true to you in your experience at all? Um, in a way, I think that when I felt like I was the most societally acceptable, that I maybe sought out sex more. But I think that the desire potentially was always there. But it became easier for me to just do that solo than with anybody else. And I do need to touch on something else in there. And, and I think this is important if anybody's like listening or looking at my feed and being like, what is this straight-sized white woman doing talking about things like this? Because to your point, bodies are incredibly political. And when we talk about body positivity, I cannot be a face of it because I don't experience the marginalization that so many who are especially black bodies, especially larger fat bodies, they need the political movements to happen. We need to be following more black stories and more fat activism to understand it, to understand what's really going on. Because I can still go to a doctor and be treated for my sore throat when I have a sore throat without being told to lose weight. I I can still go into any store and find my size on the shelf, not just online, on the shelf, and I can buy it and take it home. I may struggle when I take my clothes off, and I may struggle with that dynamic in relationships, but I don't also have to struggle to fit into a seat on a bus or on an airplane and then also have, you know, people around the world treat you and scrutinize you to the degree that they are. So I do think that it is incredibly important that we're very aware of how we are truly programmed and conditioned over our lives to feel certain ways. I just want to pop in here for a very quick moment because Jasmine Jay, a content creator focused on body positivity and the diversity consultant for BuzzFeed, elaborated on this point of fat phobia and its historic connection to racism. And I really want you to hear it right now. The body positive movement was originated to speak about marginalized bodies you know but if you were to look up body positive I'm sure one of the first images you would see would be probably a white woman Mm. you know the fat phobia that runs in the world is rooted in racism fearing the black body my partner read it what I did see from it it was basically stating how people were brought over in Europe and everything talking about class you know the bigger you were you were probably poorer you know I mean at one point it was a time where that plump look and you'll look back in paintings and see that that was actually like a thing and then there was a flip to where a bigger body meant something really gross and terrible and then as they started seeing people of color and black people having like boobs and curves and hips it was more of a social class thing of like oh yeah now you're poor because we equal that to that so you can't be fat phobic without thinking of the originator (laughs) of racism Mm -hmm. I love what you said about hinging your self-love on something as fickle as the way that your body shows up. Because a part of me wants to wrap this conversation up like, okay, you don't feel confident being naked. Here's the three steps to feeling confident. Is that possible? What do we do with all this information, Sarah? 
for me, I spend way less time worrying about my body. It doesn't mean that I still don't worry about it. It just means I spend less time worrying about it. I'm worried about much more important things. I'm doing much more important things. That is successful. That is amazing. And I love the quote by Robert Holden that says, beware of destination addiction. The idea that happiness is the next place, the next job, or even with the next partner. Until you give up the idea that happiness is somewhere else, it will never be where you are. Now take all of that and make it your body. Mm. We cannot have our bodies be this goalpost because it's moving all the time. Societally, it's moving all the time. Our bodies are changing. It's literally never going to be at one singular spot. It is in a constant state of evolution and change. So like I said, it it does sound like bad advice to, to, to sort of like place your worth on something as so unhinged as that. But I do want to remind people just how can you figure out how to find your happiness in where you are? How can you learn the tools, have better conversations, better narratives and thought processes with yourself so that not that you never have bad thoughts again, but that you have less of them and that they get quieter and that you're less distracted and show up a lot more. Do you all see why it was connection at first sight between me and Sarah? Make sure you get more of Sarah by following her on Instagram at the birds papaya and check out her website at www, which you don't have to say anymore. It's not fucking 1995. Just go to thebirdspapaya.com for her blog and her podcast called The Papaya Podcast. You can listen to wherever you are currently listening to Lovers and Friends. So where do we go from here on our journey? As promised, we're heading to hear from Jasmine Jay, a plus-size fashion model, a content creator, and the diversity consultant at BuzzFeed. Jasmine's work focuses on fashion, style, and beauty for all bodies with the spotlight on Black bodies. She is also a certified lover and friend because this is her second time back. Remember, Jasmine did a quick pop in on the episode, I don't want to break up, but I need some space, talking about her and her partner and how they transitioned to a lat lifestyle, which if you missed the episode means living apart together. Anybody going through this, just know that you are not weird. This is not abnormal. The family members, the friends, everyone, those like, oh, you're breaking up. Oh, yeah, they're, what's wrong with them? They're going to break up. That's not normal. Honestly, fuck all of that. Now Jasmine and I are continuing the dialogue around self-love and body image. But before we get into that, let's take a quick breather for this. I got to breathe. I got to cough. Hey, yeah. Hey, is that a cough? What is that? <coughs> Whenever Jasmine's finished on her phone, we'll begin. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm virtually styling someone. <laughs> Okie dokie. We'll just wait until Jasmine's finished on her cell phone. Sorry, class. Ooh, good sound. Yeah. Okay. Just ready to talk. I want to talk about your lens through this as a queer woman, Mm. because the idea of not wanting to be naked in front of your partner, I wonder if that, is that a heterosexual dilemma? You know, obviously not asking you to speak as the ambassador. (laughs) For the hats. No. (laughs) Um, I have never had a problem. Literally never. I am comfortable with myself. I I mean, I've had partners that have been very much thinner than I am, um, very much more society acceptable bodies 
than I have that have been way more nervous or scared to show themselves um, than I have been. I'm just like, my thought process is like, if you're in bed with me, of course you're going to like what you see. Like, (laughs) duh, you wouldn't get all the way here to know, like, no, this isn't right. Like, no, you know? So I feel like the only thing that might help being in a queer relationship would be maybe just being a little bit more comfortable and when your body does weird things, you know? Um, So like if I've been on my period or if, you know, you're not on your period, but you started it while you were doing something or, you know, weird noises or just weird anythings, I feel like it takes a little... Uh, like awkwardness out of it, knowing that somebody has also been through weird stuff with their body, whether their anatomy matches you or not. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about like mindset Mm -hmm. of people being open to different things, you know? Yeah. They always say that the queer community is better at talking about consent and Mm -hmm. better at talking about kinks because you naturally have to advocate for private parts of yourself. Exactly. And so I wonder if this would roll into that. Yeah. I, I feel like in my personal experience, it does. Um, I will say, though, I feel like that more with my partner now who is non-binary than with any. You feel more comfort? Yeah. Than with any cis person that I've dated, for sure. And that's just because in my mind and something that attracts me so much to my partner is having somebody that has had a thought process to think about other things than just. I have to be a a woman or a man, you know? And this is what a woman looks like. Mm -hmm. This is what a man looks Mm -hmm. like. Exactly. So I feel the the weird shit Kate has seen on popped, touched on my body. Like I would never dream of doing with anybody else. But Kate like puts on the little doctor (laughs) thing is is all up in it. And I'm like, thank you. And loving every minute. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, to close this out, (laughs) (laughs) moving past that, (laughs) um, this episode is going to be called something along the lines of, I don't want to be looked at while I'm naked. Mm. Working title right now. Uh, What would your response be to the person who clicked on this because they said, yes, that's me? Something that Sarah was really, really touching on, and I don't know if it came out as clear, but Sarah was talking about her weight loss and thought she was going to be there after you lose the weight. And the whole time I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, but you didn't lose the weight of your mind. And people go so, and that's with weight loss. That's with surgeries. That's with anything go off. I don't care if you are thin in plastic or fat and not, um, or anywhere in between. I really do not care. As long as your mind is coming with you, because these physical changes, especially dealing with your appearance, your your boobs are not talking to you saying, I need to be bigger. Your stomach isn't talking to you saying, I need to be smaller. No, that's your mind that's telling you to change these things. And that mind has been exposed to society, to ads, to 
influencers to everything, you know, racism, sexism, blah, 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 blah. You have to work on your mind just as much as you're working on your body. And if your body's evolving and your mind isn't, then yeah, you're, you're not going to like yourself for a very long time. Lose the weight of your mind is literally such a bar. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do want to talk about that because I think I flip flop. This was one of those episodes where I came in thinking one thing and then midway through, I thought something different and towards the end, I was like, okay, well maybe not everybody should aspire to feeling comfortable naked Mm. because I love being naked. I love, I've always loved nakedness. I think I'm partial nudist. I think since I was a kid, I loved the human body. I loved, I talked about this in one of the episodes, which is my most embarrassing episode, (laughs) but it's called um, Naked Barbies and Humping Pillows. It talks about my (laughs) early sexualization (laughs) and that I used to like seeing family members naked, Mm -hmm. like my grandma, because it was, a confirmation that we were close. Yeah. So if she got naked oh, in front wow. of me, I'd That's be like, great. we're cool. Like I saw my aunt naked. I'm like, yeah. And it wasn't sexual. Yeah. It was intimate. Of course. So for, that was my mindset coming into it, that everybody should aspire to feeling comfortable naked because that's mm-hmm. just, that's our authentic form. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to Sarah and thinking about it. And I was like, well, there's nothing wrong with meeting yourself where you are right now. Yeah. And what's more important than being naked is being intimate. And if for you being naked is a barrier to intimacy mm-hmm. because you can't get out of your head, then don't worry about that. Exactly. But now I'm talking to you and I'm like, maybe everybody should aspire <laughs> to make it. I think, I think the most important thing is aspiring for your comfort period and what you prefer, you know? Um, and I think just like we've talked about journeys, um, sometimes I love being naked and sometimes I'm like, Kate, don't fucking look at me, you know? And That's what happens, you know? So I don't think it has to be like a all or nothing. My therapist, shout out to you, would love me saying live in the gray. Um, But it it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Um, I think as long as you're challenging yourself and doing that work to figure out why, like why, maybe something was traumatizing. Okay, cool. And maybe you'll get there and maybe you won't. There's no there. Jasmine, ugh. Ugh. Ah, that was so great. You are incredible. Jasmine came in in the 11th hour and really saved us and truly was the perfect savior and voice to add to this piece. And I'm so forever grateful for what you shared and uh, what I learned through our discussion. And if you want to learn more, you know where to go. And if you don't, let me tell you right now, go and check out Jasmine on Instagram at Jasmine J. To be clear, it's spelled J-A-Z-Z. M-Y-N-E-J-A-Y. It'll be in the show notes in case you missed that. Also check out Jasmine's BuzzFeed content on YouTube. It's giving. And speaking of giving, uh, let's give some more love one last time. Not one last time. I'll do it again. But last time in this episode, to my homie, Sarah Nicole Landry, aka at The Birds Papaya, who you can find on the website at The Birds Papaya. And also check out the podcast, Papaya Podcast, on this very platform that you're listening to me on right now. I genuinely hope this is one of those episodes for you that shifted a perspective or brought up an aha that you didn't know you needed, but you really, really do. To drive that point home further, because it needs to be driven home further, let's bring in somebody with a doctorate in this area, Dr. Sophia Godkin, PhD, who you can find on Instagram at the happiness doctor, what a bomb ass handle, has based much of her life's work in learning to the universal pursuit, yet very personal art of happiness. Here is what she had to say. 
Here are three tips on helping self-love be an ongoing conversation that you have with yourself. First, make it a daily practice to ask yourself, how do you need to be loved today? Our needs vary from day to day, right? We're not the same person day in and day out. And by asking this question, you're going to know what that is for you at any given time. Second, ask yourself, am I living life in a way that's true to me? Or am I living it in a way that's focused mostly on getting approval from others? Third, you can ask yourself, am I doing my best to speak kindly to myself? And within that question, really feeling that invitation that we have in any moment to accept and honor all of the thoughts and feelings that we might have around the places where maybe we don't meet society's expectations, where we don't meet the pressures and standards set for us by others. And if you agree, don't just nod along right now. Go and rate and review. I I'm, did that because I tried to be nice. Now I'm going to be intimidating. I shouldn't attempt that. I shouldn't have to do that with you. We shouldn't have to get there in our relationship. Did you know that on Spotify, you can actually rate the podcast there as well? So if you don't have Apple, which is an incredible place to rate and review, because that's actually how guests decide they're going to come on the podcast or not, or how PR companies decide who they're going to share the podcast with in terms of our guest potential. It it helps a lot if you take a couple minutes to do that. So please go ahead and do that and um, make sure that you are following the podcast so you don't miss an episode because we're back week after week. Speaking of weeks, I am currently week 14 of my pregnancy. This is the second trimester. Bleh. I'm so grateful. I'm recording this while I'm during week 13 still. So I'm speaking ahead. And I am manifesting that as promised on every what to expect website, I no longer feel sick, that my headache is gone and my nausea is gone. Now, speaking in present tense, I'm feeling better and I have a light headache right now and a light upset stomach, but it's nothing compared to what it was before. So I'm grateful for that. I'm actually back to being more in a workflow and we're looking for a daycare for Ryu, which feels really good because everywhere that we take her, Y'all, she is thrilled. Like she just runs and dives and talks to the kids and climbs over stuff. So it's really beautiful to be in the space I'm at. Today, actually, uh, I woke up and I said, life is good. It's good to be alive. And that's not a sentence that I've thought for a while. So I'm grateful for that. For anybody who listened to podcasts last week and they're not an avid podcast listener who was like, Gaffa, did you just say that you were pregnant? Da, 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 da. And then came on my page and wrote it all over. I'm not at a place, one, there's a particular employer who doesn't know that I'm pregnant and I'm not going to share it with that person yet just for various reasons. So I'm not putting it on Instagram. Um, and then number two, I just, I'm not visibly showing yet. It's not necessary to really put that out there to the world at this time. But here on this podcast, it is necessary because it does inform so much of what I'm experiencing and we're doing this real time together. So I needed you to know. And uh, yeah, this episode is definitely near and dear to my heart as somebody who is going through rapid body changes. And um, I'm excited to go on this journey with myself again. The second time around, I feel I'm much more prepared and hopefully I continue to surround myself with people like all of you who continue to help me find tools and tricks for the endless journey that's ahead of all of us. Lovers and friends, lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends. Uh, lovers and friends. Yeah, and I said. 
Lovers and Friends, a podcast, is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Shan Boudram, and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojiko, 2 West Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Engineering by Peter Karam. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher.